0: Welcome to USA football's coach and coordinator podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski.
1: Hey, coaches, before we get going today, I just wanted to thank you for all you've been doing to support this podcast, and we have an incredible lineup coming up here we have just about every major college conference represented. We have a ton of FBS coaches, Division II coaches, Division III coaches, some great high school fo- football coaches coming on the podcast to share with you and help you grow professionally during this time. I really appreciate all of you asking your questions on Twitter. Please follow me at Coach K Grabowski for our daily updates on our guests and your opportunity to ask questions. We will read them on the show and attribute those to you. Um, So please contribute to the show as much as you can. I also want to talk to you a little bit about our football development model, which is something we've rolled out here at USA Football. And this is really for you to uh, be able to help your youth football programs develop. It's about a long-term athlete development plan. something that comes off of the American Development Model, which is something that the USOC has put together. The idea is that we're able to teach skills in a progression starting at the youngest ages. We're also looking at the different game types we have, whether that's flag, which is non-contact, limited contact games like padded flag or tackle bar, and full contact, and the right progressions for contact teaching there as well. Be sure to check out all we do at footballdevelopment.com. And check out what we're doing with the FDM, the football development model, at usafootball.com backslash FDM.usafootball.com. As we've all been faced with a bit of a shutdown here, and you know, maybe for some of you around the country, it's going to come to an end sooner than later. We've been focusing on the podcast and making sure we have guests come on to talk about how we keep our athletes developing during this time where we maybe don't have that direct contact with them or they don't have access to facilities or equipment and joining us today to specifically focus on how we can do that with our offensive linemen how we can develop their skill in this time where social distancing is in effect is the head football coach at st johnsbury academy a state champion there in in vermont rich alercio rich always great to talk ball with you here on the podcast
0: I appreciate being with you, Keith. I see your face every day with all the other work that you're doing to get coaches in our homes, and, and I appreciate that. It's great to be able to talk with you again.
1: Absolutely. Coach, we've, we've had some really good podcasts here recently come to mind. Kurt Hester from Louisiana Tech. We had Fergus Conley, who works with NFL teams. We had Micah Kurtz, who is the National Strength and Conditioning Association Coach of the Year, all giving us ideas on how to continuing developing our athlete's speed, agility, strength. I kind of want to get focused here as we continue to go through this on the skill side of this, right? Our athlete's skill needs to develop, but you know, you're not there necessarily to coach them every single day. So, you know, if we could give some coaches some thoughts, ideas, maybe it will spark some thoughts that of things that apply to them maybe a little bit differently than others but we want to develop skill during this time and make sure our athletes are developing that way and that's going to be the topic for us here today so uh, I'm excited to dig into this but you know I, I think it's always good to hit on a little bit on the, the strength here so your thoughts on especially for the linemen how we can continue to develop these guys power and functional strength that they need to execute their blocking well.
0: So I would say that, you know, the first thing is, unfortunately, is most people just don't have home gyms. People don't have the equipment. People don't have what they would normally need. Uh, you know, so, but there are a lot of resources out there. Anybody that's using any type of, of app right now to be able to track their strength and conditioning, most all of those companies are now providing the at home workout. So, you know, all of that stuff is, is readily accessible. Plus, people are putting it online just as like we're doing so much to be able to get information in people's hands. But the, the opportunity, again, it's a good book that I'm reading right now where it's called the obstacle is the way uh, it really, the whole thing is about being able to look and say, you know, how can you use this obstacle as a way of finding a better way of doing things? And I would tell you, particularly at the high school level, the power is a lost thing for, for offensive linemen. You know, a lot of kids have strength, but they can't translate the, the strength and the speed and their weight and coordinate all those things into power. But this time of year, where everybody's kind of locked up in home and, and not have the ability to get to their gyms and their usual equipment, it provides an excellent opportunity for linemen to be able to do body weight stuff and work on explosive power with, with types of so our guys right now are doing squat jump variations, lunge jump variations, whether it be lateral or whether it be scissor in our lunges and, and also to be able to do push up variations where we're doing a, a, a focus on, on a concentric uh, or an eccentric or an isometric or an explosive one where we're actually getting up ourselves regardless of their weight off the ground, you know, and some of those guys that are big and heavy and not real strong at high school, they may need to be able to adjust that to their knee, but being able to focus on power and power output as opposed to just strength. So, you know, those guys that are, you know, putting a whole bunch of weight on their back for a squat and moving really slowly or a whole bunch of weight on their bench and pushing it slowly I mean, yeah, you're getting stronger, but you're doing nothing to increase your power. So our guys right now, there's not a lot of focus on strength development, but there is a lot of focus on, on power development.
1: Yeah, Coach, I think those are, are good tips. And a lot of things that guys can do, as, and, and we'll link to those show notes with Coach Kurtz and Coach Hester and, and Coach Conley, so you could go back to those podcasts as well. Taking it from there, from continuing to develop those things, is the application that gets into how do these guys play their position, right? The, the game for these guys, you know, it, I think we all, people who have coached offensive line all know that, you know, when coaches divide up uh, skill guys and big guys that, you know, that's really not fair because those, those guys are big skill guys. There's a lot of skill that goes into playing that position and, and something that's just not necessarily natural, right? It's easy to get around and, and run around as an athlete, but moving people requires a lot of technique.
0: Well, I would tell you this, you're preaching to the choir right now because if you, if you followed me on Twitter or liked me on Facebook or LinkedIn, my handle is O-Line Skills. And if, if you've been to any of my offensive line clinics that I, I now run in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and, and up here in Vermont and looking to expand them, we talk about the offensive line being truly the only skill position. You know, Quite honestly, you know, I mean, from the earliest age, kids are able to run, throw, catch, But, uh, you know, you can't find too many three-year-olds that can get themselves into a reasonably good pass set. So, quite honestly, it's a learned skill where the other ones, I mean, yeah, they're skillful, but, you know, that's an innate ability to be able to do all of that other stuff, running, throwing, catching. They're not the skill that has to be taught and trained like so many other skills. So, yeah, I mean, the offensive line stuff is the skill. and, 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 again, same thing, great opportunity to be able to work on offensive line skills to be able to get your steps your visual targets and your strike points taught and trained you know on your own
1: absolutely so that's kind of what we'll get get into here coach a a train on your own a train at home protocol for these guys we'll we'll get a little bit creative as far as the different implements you might be able to find around the house or the garage uh, that lineman can use so it's simple though the beginning of this all goes to footwork, right? Being a great offensive lineman starts with a great stance and great footwork. So talk us through some things that, that our athletes can do. And coaches, I would encourage you to pass this along to your offensive lineman to listen to and get some ideas here, but talk to us coach about, you know, what they can work on stance and start and how you would go about, I guess, prescribing these, these skill workouts for your players.
0: Yeah, so you know, two, two of the things that, that we can do at home and, and the only thing you would need, one would be a broom handle uh, that we would use in, in, in our pass set stuff, and the other would be a high back chair, so a, a, either a barstool chair or a higher-backed uh, dining room chair. And, again, you just don't smack the crap out of it so you're not damaging the furniture on Bob's dad. But those two implements uh, allow you to be able to work on the footwork particularly. So going to the first one, which would be our pass set, uh, being able to put a broom handle on our back. Now, we use this in our gym work anyway. So this is the exact same drill we would do if we were in our field house this time of year. Uh, and actually, we were fortunate enough because of when we run it, uh, we did get our six uh, spring practices in indoors prior to everything getting shut down in, in, in Vermont. So the, the drill that we did in spring ball that we always do that they can do at home is putting a, a a stick or a PVC pipe, if you had that, on your back, you know, much like in a position that you'd be if you were going to do a squat, and then do your pass set. So we do you know, our, our, our different types of, of kick steps, whether it's uh, three quick, you know, three big, three off, uh, three vertical, to be able to go in our kick steps and then, and then do our, our, our kicks and our power steps. And the, the key to the broom handle is regulating yourself to be able to, particularly in the kick step, to keep your chest and hips square to the line of scrimmage. Actually, I just watched one of the videos online yesterday when they were doing the screen stuff, and one of the coaching points was that the right guard opened his hips far too much to the three technique to be able to release himself as the rat killer in, in the slip screen to the left. So I don't care if it's screen or drop back. You know, we should never be opening our hips up on the initial contact of an outside rusher. So that, that broom handle... You know, being in this. So if you're just picture yourself facing your living room or kitchen wall, and having the broom on your back in a squat position, and maintaining that being parallel to the wall as you kick, as you do three kick steps and then three power steps and kick steps and going right and left, and seeing that the broom handle is never turned where one end is closer to the wall than the other. So if you're facing the wall, you know, for us, we would do three kick steps to the right three power steps to the left and then change our stance to a left guard, left tackle, three kicks to the left, three power steps to the right. And then we would do three power steps, to three kick steps. And then we would extend it depending on how long, if you have a basement, you know, which allows you some more room than most living rooms, you could carry that into doing a five step. So kick slide, kick slide, kick slide, power slide, power slide, power slide, and repeat and keep going to however much room till you run into the other wall and again, all the time, focusing on that broom handle being parallel to the wall that you're facing, which would now correlate to the fact that your hips and your chest are parallel to the wall and you're not opening up. So we're laterally displacing in our kick slides or our power slides, but we're not turning our body on an angle one way or the other. So that's, I think, the best and easiest drill to do with a home implement for pass steps,
1: yeah, and I, I would suggest that you have your players you know, take their phone and record that so they can look at it and, and see where were they on that drill. Of course, the broom is to, to help guide them, and they should start to get that feel, but to be able to get that feedback, right? Coach isn't there for them working on all those things that the, the camera on your smartphone is going to help you get coached up as you're working on your own.
0: You know, Keith, that's an excellent point because the one thing that when we do this drill that some of the players don't realize is when they tilt, when they actually like on a power step lower the inside shoulder, you know, too much, trying to overemphasize, you know, weighting the inside foot in our pass set, and the groom handle becomes on a, a very awkward angle. So that you're absolutely right in videotaping that you'd be able to see. The other thing we'd never want to see. Is, is the outside broom handle, tip of the broom handle, ever dipping down, which would indicate now we've transitioned weight to the outside foot. So that's a great teaching tool of being able to recognize whether you're whether you're weighting too much or angling too much inside or outside. But that the, the broom handle should be not only parallel to the front wall, but in looking at the videotape, it should be parallel to the ground as well.
1: Coach, where would you say is, is the optimal position to, to put the, the camera as they're recording this
0: yeah directly in front of them so directly in front of them to be able to see that everything is square and and so parallel to the front wall or parallel to the view of the camera and then parallel to the floor
1: and I think again, you know, the the repetition is important, but repetition with that feedback you can get from your your camera very important to skill development. This is not a conditioning period. This is a con, you know a period now that you can take your time, work on your own, go back, you know, record a few reps, go back to that uh, recording to the video, see what you need to fix there, then focus on that in the next reps, and something else might come up, and it's just that constant adjustment. And don't try to necessarily Go and focus to adjust everything in that next rep. Just focus on one thing at a time, right? This is very much like I think of my son who does this all the time with, you know, with his hitting instructor. He's going to have to get a little virtual now here too, but it's, it you know, oh, I saw a couple things in your swing, but I want you to focus on this one right here and you know you fix that it might fix the others but when you try to focus on a broad picture it's not as good as focusing on one thing working on that and then finding out what needs to be tweaked next so rich moving on and we talked about the footwork there and the pass sets certainly a big part of run pass blocking is you know the, the targets the visual targets that we need to hit with our hands how would you work those things
0: yeah, and, and that's where the high-back chair comes in, in that, you know, for, for us, whether it's run pass, run steps or pass steps, you know, our visual targets and strike points can be gone on, on, on just using a high-back chair. And really, it's the same thing if I, you know, at, at all the different uh, clinics you you go to, and, and I'm so fortunate to, uh, to speak at, you know, I'll often take a chair from the front row, turn it around backwards, and I'll go over the, the, the strike, the visual targets, the strike points, of, of how we're going to hit the chair, or how we're going to strike. So it's really the same thing for the players. So uh, in taking a look at a chair, which would be, really, it's a dining room table chair, not a not a desk chair, because unless you have a higher desk chair, but it would be better to have something that doesn't have wheels, because how the chair moves is going to be critical in, in whether it's run or pass. So to, for, to give an example, like if we're gonna if we're gonna be able to do our run steps, we want to see the chair on contact, rock to the front leg. So if we're striking the high back of the chair, we want to see it going up, much like a lead sled would go in and up. We don't want to just push it. So the, the correcting point, if you're hitting on a run block and the chair has all four legs still in contact with the carpet and it's sliding away from you, you can, you can correct yourself and say, I'm doing too much push. I'm not doing enough lift, so I'm, I'm clearly not engaging my hips. So much like a, and I don't want to push just the left slide, but the, just much like a left sled would give you the positive reinforcement on the strike. You know, wherever the strike point is, the chair should move slightly away from you and then rock upward so it's on the front two legs and the two back legs are off the ground. But now, so going again with all the different run steps prior to the strike is, you know, we can align ourselves on the chair and put it on our right shoulder, put it on our left shoulder, put it head up. We can take our base step. We can take our reach steps. We can take our angle steps, our bucket steps, and be able to use a visual target, you know, and be able to clearly just say, I mean, I put a piece of tape on mom's chair. You could, but to put one right down the middle where you would say that would be the sternum or, or you could have put one on the right third of the chair and the left third of the chair, which would be a visual target of one peck or the other. So for us, All of our visual targets are either a sternum if we want to midline somebody. So, in other words, like a right guard reaching a three technique on an inside zone play to the right. That would be a sternum visual target. And if we're taking a look at saying maybe we're just going to do a a base block in a man scheme of a left guard versus a two eye on his his right shoulder, and we're looking to run a B-gap isolation play, then we would be staring at a visual target of the near peck. So you can put the targets on the chair, so I could put a chair on my right shoulder and I could do a base left step and I could stare at what would be a a near peck target and I could, by strike points, can be uh, the near shoulder and the sternum, which would mean the sternum would be the dead center of the chair and and the left shoulder would be the, the upper edge of the chair. The same thing. I'm on guys on my right. I'm going to do a reach step and I'm going to stare at the sternum or the middle part of the chair and I'm going to strike both pecs. So, really, if you look at the chair, if you just it would only take you know three marks one in the middle, one on the right third, one on the left third, and then the actual the, 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 the upper portions of the chair itself, the back of the chair, become the shoulders. So that you have a shoulder, a near pec, a sternum, a far pec, and a far shoulder. So now that you can go through all of your steps of, a, of a, a base left, staring at the near pec and striking near shoulder and sternum, you can do a reach right, staring at the sternum and striking the chair on both pecs. You can do an angle step to cut off the, the far shul- to cut off the, the far pec and strike the sternum and the far shoulder. You can do a bucket step where you can stare at the near pec strike the sternum and the near shoulder, both of those on a 45 degree angle. Uh, so it allows you the opportunity now to be able to go through all of the steps, focus on where your eyes should be. So you're training eyes and then the strike points of where your hand should be. And then you put the, the chair on your left shoulder and you do a base, right. You do a reach left. You do an angle left and you do a bucket left against that chair. And again, all the time, having the feedback of the chair that it, all four legs should slide and then rock up so that the back legs are off the ground, front legs are on the ground, and then you can stop before you topple it over and break the chair. Okay, And then, you know, really, that, so that, yeah, so, I mean, that, and again, that's, if you've been to an O-line clinic anywhere, you, there's no chance you haven't watched an offensive line coach block a chair. I mean, you, you block chairs, you block podiums, And that's how you demonstrate.
1: The kids can do the exact same things, Coach. I love it. Now, again, I would say please, please, please talk to mom before you do this and get her blessing. And (laughs) and and maybe the formal living room furniture isn't the best. If it's that chair in the the basement that's been a little bit worn old and worn out, that might be better. But another one, I think, Coach, because you are getting the uh, the visual feedback from the chair basically here is a good, a good time to be able to set up that phone and videotape this. Where would you put that phone in, in this particular drill?
0: Uh, because the focus would be on the leverage of the chair. I would put it on the side. So you can see there's two things in that. It's why, and getting the full body one, you want to see the, the chair slide away and then lift up, but also the critical thing in, in going over the footwork that we really haven't talked about, which is one of my, my, biggest pet peeve is to see that the entire time within the, the, the steps and the block that you're in a heel toe relationship in that, and that we're never outstepping. So, and again, with the stagger, you know, the, the, if you're taking an inside foot step, that you're taking a zero step. And if you're, if you're taking the staggered foot step, it's certainly going to be a lot bigger so that every time you take a step, you can see from a side angle. Again, this is from your right side or left side. You can see that the vertical distance uh, of each step, is such that the heel of whatever foot you step with lands in line with the toes of the other one, and that, be, that that allows us to be able to keep knees over big toes, so that makes sure we can we can watch that. You can also see that the the contact point of of the chair is such that you're working upward, that the hands are slightly above the elbow on the contact, so as it drives outward it'll also drive upward, and then you'll be able to see the push and the rock of the chair to see that you're getting the reinforcement that you want in the contact of the block.
1: A great one right there just with the chair. So, Coach, footwork, we talked about that here and, and the importance of it, and you know, looking at the passing game here. Another thing you'd have your guys work as far as footwork?
0: Yeah, so the other piece of the puzzle is, you know, for our, for our, we have our, our two pass steps, our kick and our power. We've got our four run steps, which is a base, a reach, an angle, or a bucket, but then we've got a, a variety of pull steps that we take. So we, we teach several different types of pulls and, and, and with those there comes different footwork. So for us, if we're gonna take a, a flat pull and you know, a guard kicking out an end man on the line of scrimmage, or tackle on a wrap scheme, coming around to go to a second level defender on, on, on a tackle wrap or a guard on a, on a, on a power pull with a skip. So we have all the, and then we also, because we do pin and pull, we have a wide pull. So in all of those, the footwork is different. So we'll have our guys now, we'll put, put a camera right in front of you so that you can see the, the footwork that you take. So let's say I'm, um, I'm a left guard or a left tackle right off the bat and, and doing a flat pull, which again would be either the trap play, uh, or the counter trade play, uh, you know, where we're looking to kick out either a three technique or a five technique, you know, so that would be a 90 degree angle step with hips and shoulders going uh, at at a 90 degree angle uh, towards the sideline. So again, looking at the camera to be able to see that you do that. But like in our tackle-wrap play, which will be, again, with the, whether we're doing it in our man scheme or a gap scheme or a pulling-guard tack, which we've kind of gotten away from a little bit with all the four-eye stuff, that would be a whole other conversation. But, yeah, you know, that, that pull is not – as it's, it's, it's more of an extended bucket step with a crossover and, and trying not to open our hips and shoulders to the sideline. But, but it's a longer run. I'm not as big a fan, particularly at the high school level, of tackles doing a skip-pull – on the rap play, it's just a long distance to go, particularly if you're going around a two-eye, whether it's, a, you know, or, or even a double-team of a 3 technique. again, It's a long way to skip. But I'm a huge fan of, of, a, of the skip pull in power, and again, with the camera right in front of you, to be able to take, you know, that left foot now as a left guard and get it behind to see that you are with two steps that skip, being able to put yourself in a position where you can now go, again, e- again, either outside of a three technique or outside of a two eye, to be able to see that in two steps you're able to skip yourself over and to get the positive reinforcement that hips and shoulders are square to the line of scrimmage. So in those three pulls, hips and shoulders are all different. On, on our flat pull, the kick out pull, we are 90 degrees with hips and shoulders. In our, in our lead pull, which, which would be our wrap the around of the second-level player, uh, we are turned at a, tweaked at a hips and shoulders at a 45-degree angle, so it's actually angled towards the linebacker that we're looking to isolate. Um, and then on our skip pull, we should be hips and shoulders parallel to the line of scrimmage. So those are critical. The, the, the other pull that we do is, is probably not as applicable in here, is a wide pull where we would pull, step, drop deeper, and we're looking to run outside. So the demeanor is more like the flat pull. We're just looking to gain a little bit of depth. But the three key ones that we would do indoors are, are, are the flat pull, uh, the lead pull, or some people call the wrap pull, or, and the, the skip pull, and, and, and taking a look at the angle of our bodies on each of them in relationship to the steps that we're taking. The first two were stepping with near foot. On the skip pull, obviously, we're stepping with far foot.
1: Again, there's there's plenty there for you to work with your offensive line or have them work on their own, and and I love that idea of of positioning that camera to be able to get that feedback. I guess one, coach, one other one I want to add to the mix is is one we picked up from Kevin Carberry last. Uh, it was 2019 at our national conference was one he was doing with a broomstick, and this one was working on the fit and leverage, and and you know we we really like the double under. Strollo calls it hooks. McNally calls it the double under. We call it the bridge fit. But the whole idea with that, you know, getting the hands in tight, keeping the elbows in on that broomstick, having somebody hold it with wider hands and kind of having that force a little bit down. So mom, dad, little brother, whoever it might be, uh, holding that broomstick out wide, the lineman getting his hands underneath and then moving, not with the hands to force it up, but the hips, driving the hands up and getting those hips rolled underneath. You know, regardless of how you fit, I think, with the hands, that's one where you can work the leverage of the hips. Again, can be worked with the camera. I would probably put that one on the side so you can see that the hips are, are what driving the hands, not the hands kind of pressing away from the body.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. I got I to coordinate that one.
1: <laughs> so I'll add that one into the mix. But coach, uh, just some great tips here you have for offensive linemen. I know you put some great content out as well, and I'm sure there'll be a follow-up uh, blog to this one. If you would, share with our coaches where they can find you.
0: Yep, so on the Twitter, at O-Line Skills, at O-Line Skills. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn as well, and I try to push something out every Thursday morning so I'm not bombarding people every day. All stuff. So, uh, uh, yeah, look for that stuff. Uh, look, you know, like me, uh, like me, follow me, but uh, usually try to put out some good content that pertains to offensive line, off-season stuff, in-season stuff, anything related to football. Keith, really appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Coaches, again, I want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done uh, check it out, all of our, our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, you can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might've lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football, some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, please have it over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week.
0: Thanks for listening to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast. For more resources, visit the Coach Performance Center at usafootball.com.